Even when you try to maintain a healthy diet, it can be tough to get all of the nutrients you need for long-term health. Care of makes it super easy and even fun to figure out what vitamins and supplements are best for your diet and lifestyle. Go to takecareof.com and take a short quiz to get your personalized vitamin recommendation. Use offer code AMR at checkout for 50% off your first month of vitamins. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com mother. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah in Portland. And this is Dimity hanging out in Denver, proving to the beat of my own one-man band. <laughs> and, uh, what, uh, what is making that um, just cacophonous sound there, Dimity? <laughs> um, it is my four medals. Four, <gasps> count them. And that, I don't have my Tinkerbell medal on, which actually I had to do one race in Tinkerbell to get the fourth medal here. We can talk about that, but mm-hmm. four medals from princess run Disney princess weekend in oh, yep. Florida. Yep. We are fresh off it. We both got home late on Sunday and we're recording this on Wednesday. So I have to say, even, even I am just now catching up on my sleep. Yeah. <laughs> it hit me yesterday afternoon. I, I hit me very hard at about two o'clock uh-huh. and I like, was like, I've got to pick up my kids and I hope they don't have a lot of homework. And then we're going to watch an episode of um, under the gun. <laughs> <laughs> on the couch and I may take a little nap while they watch with me. <laughs> so, um, all right. Well, so maybe, maybe take off those necklaces, those, uh, medals. Should I take be- them off or I, I mean, do they provide a nice backdrop or are they too, are they too distracting? Well, I know that they were, they were almost giving you, um, neck cramps but yeah. from their weight. <laughs> they are not light. I, I think I might have a hunchback if I leave them on during our whole race recap. So, so hold for a minute while I clank them off. Hold okay. on. She's got medals that jingle, jangle, jingle. <laughs> Wait, and before I before we get into the race, race recap, let's go all the way to the airport. I'm flying home with Denise, a mother runner who helped us in our booth. She mm-hmm. lives in Boulder. Mm-hmm. And so the big thing with, with Disney is to wear your medal. And we're all about, you know, being proud, wearing your medal that after the race, you know, wearing it for the day of. A lot of people wear them around the parks. That's great. Um, but there was one guy, one man. He had, he had two medals, which meant he had probably run, you know, coast to coast which means one race in California, one Disney race in California, and one Disney race in Florida. Mm-hmm. In, the same, he, in the same calendar year. In the same calendar year, exactly. So he had two, or maybe he did the glass slipper challenge at Princess, which was the 10K on Saturday and then the half marathon on Sunday. Regardless, he had a, at least two medals around his neck, and he was late for his flight. Mm-hmm. And so he was running, and those things were clanking so <laughs> loud. And Denise and I, you know, we, 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 you know, we can smile and laugh at a lot, but we both kind of looked at each other and were like, really? Like, you can't take those off as you sprint for gate, you know, 58 at the back of the airport? Particularly, so, I mean, I would almost think they'd cause, like, a bruise or something on your chest. I mean, they are substantial. <laughs> They are. They are not. They are not light. And, and so Denise started calling him Clinkerbell. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. Very clever. We but love Denise. <laughs> so anyway, so now we now we rewind back to the beginning. Back to the beginning. So yes. So we had a fantastic mother runner party in Orlando at Fit to Run. Just met some really great women. I, mean, I think the high point for both of us is probably the woman who said she had ju- in the audience who or the guest who said she had just moved to the area and that she came to the party to find 
a running partner. And I mean, you kind of called her out while we were talking and some people behind her were like, where do you live? And, you know, she, she told them, you know, what town or what area of Orlando. And I mean, she left probably with five women, you know, giving, handing over their emails and, you know, making plans for meeting up to run. So that was fantastic. Yeah, that was Angelique. And, and, and no, she was even in their picture, I think. Like they, they brought one of their signs that, you know, they were stroller strides and mom runs this town or something like that, the Orlando chapter. So they brought one of their small signs to, to take pictures um, with us. And I and I feel like she was even in that picture. Like they'd already like <laughs> folded her into the group, which was great. Um, and then the other woman who um, I remember very clearly, well, I loved the woman who was running um, – the 49K in the 49th state. Yes. She was doing her first ultra, and that was in Alaska. I love the the you know the symmetry of that race. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the woman who wanted to run um, for 40 years, and she was just a couple months shy of doing that. Which yeah. you know, we both I think both of our jaws hit the floor. We we're like, oh my gosh, we could be only halfway there right now. Mm, uh, yeah, I'm getting a little closer to you know maybe that. But um, and then there was also I believe the woman's name was um, Chandria. And she has uh, two sets of boy-girl twins. So I was like, you know, I bow down to her. So, And then I think she had a fifth kid as well. I think an older kid and then um, the one set of twins. And then about six or seven years later, she gave birth to another set of twins. I was like, whoa. She went back. She went back to the well. That's the thing I love. I usually stand at the check-in table for these parties, and you just to get to hear little snippets of stories. And I just, I love it. I wish that I could remember them all, but mm-hmm. but that was that was good. We got you know four or five of them, which is better yeah. Look than at that retention. Yeah, particularly on the <laughs> lack of sleep that we had. So, um, so then then the expo was three full days, and we talked at the panel, the Princess Expo. That I'm talking about. And just met so many great women. And, and one of the many things we love about Run Disney Races is that it attracts women from all over the U.S. and Canada. So we get to – it's a great cross-section of people from all different parts of the country. So that was super fun. And then you ran, as you alluded to, you ran the 10K on Saturday morning. Clink, 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 clink. So tell us a little bit about that, Dim. Well, I just I just wanted, you know, as many medals as I could amass. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so but that is a very Disney thing to do is have back-to-back races. I mean, they have the, the dopey challenge, the mm-hmm. goofy challenge. You know, mm-hmm. we do 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathon. You know, they, and they have, you know, they call them various things, various Disney names. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was the inaugural 10K, mm-hmm. the Enchanted 10K. Mm-hmm. If you win the 10K, like I said, mm-hmm. on Saturday and the half marathon on Sunday, you that was the glass slipper challenge. Mm-hmm. And my kind of hackneyed joke at this point is that um, that was the closest that my water skis would ever get. My water skis being my feet would ever get to a glass slipper. So I had to do it. <laughs> Um, oh, I so, still uh, laugh over that joke. Oh, good, good, yeah, good. Yeah. Thanks for being a good audience. Yeah. SBS. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, so we ran So, you know, at, with those races, any multiple day races, you know, obviously you're not going to gun it um, mm-hmm. through, through all the races. So, so this, the 10 K was really, um, we, I kind of gathered a group of mother runners who just responded to a little call out. I put on a website, on our website, um, mm-hmm. on a random website, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I put it out on amazon.com and actually, no, um, on our website. And so that we ended up running with about 10 of us, mm-hmm. uh, which was great. And we just had a great time. I mean, I think it took us like 80 minutes. So we definitely 
took our time, strolled through, you know, a lot of great pictures. Um, you know, anytime anybody wanted to stop, like one mother runner likes to get a picture at every mile marker. So, mm. so that was a, Oh, was a, she the one who, I love the one, the, um, at the one mile mark and it's, um, Prince Charming kind of leaning in for a kiss. And so she puts her face, was that the one who put her face up and it looks like she's kissing him at the mile yeah, marker? That, that was, was a great so picture. Right. That was, um, we had Carla and Marla who were, um, Carla was Anna from Frozen and Marla was Snow White. So that was mm-hmm. Marla. Mm-hmm. That was not the one that needed to get her picture taken each one. And I kind of forced her into that picture as, as you might know some of that feeling. <laughs> I'm like, oh, just do it. Do it. Come on. It's fun. <laughs> I don't know what you're lo- talking about. Yeah, bossy yeah. McSaucy. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I'm bossy, but hey, the pictures turn out good, right? They were fantastic. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Something different to look at. I have to say like by the end, I was like, okay, we could not have another picture. We just put our arms around each other's shoulders because they're going to all look the same and you don't know the difference, you know, and you don't mm-hmm. kind of notice it anymore. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. anyway, so we just had a, a really, really nice time. Um, and even though tell them about the humidity. Oh, that. <laughs> Holy cow. So someone told us that the humidity started at 96% and went up from there, not down, but up. And so I wore our Another Princess Runner shirt, which is a cotton poly blend. And, and unlike you, Sarah, I'm okay running in mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. shirts. I am. Mm-hmm. I am. And I still made that choice. Uh, honestly, I would. Um, but by the end, it was a different, it was a deeper shade of pink. I know. I mean, it was, I ran into, uh, it was Karen who ran the um, 10K with you, one of the women who ran the 10K with you. And so I hadn't seen you after the or I hadn't talked to you yet after the 10K. And so I said, oh, how'd it go? You know, I said, and she was talking about how humid it was. And I said, oh, yeah, you know, Divinity can really pit out those shirts. I said, and she looked, she like cut me off. She's like, oh, no, the entire front of the shirt was all covered with sweat. It was a different color pink at the end. Yeah, was it like, was. Wow. It was. But it was cute. It uh-huh. matched my mother runner socks. Oh, that looks super cute. duper cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So it was all good. Um, but yeah, no, we had a great time. And uh, and so then, I mean, the hardest thing with these races, as we've talked about before, and everybody kind of talks about, especially if you're doing back-to-back races, is the wake-up time. Mm-hmm. Because, um, you know, we are, I mean, at that point, we've been a couple days in, so we were kind of uh, more or less adjusted to East Coast time, more or less. Yeah, I'm not no. saying totally, yeah. I'm saying more or less. <laughs> um, but but you've got to get up because they want to have the parks open you know, for the regular, the regular guests. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that meant a five thirty starting line, um, for both, for both races, which means, especially on marathon day, I mean, they've got 26,000 women, yeah. a half marathon day. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got 26,000 women running that race. So that's a lot of women to herd, a lot of sparkle, mm-hmm. a lot of estrogen, a lot of glitter wings, whatever you call and a, and a lot of cars. So that was the, and a lot of cars. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you've got to be up at three fifteen to make sure that you get over to the race and then you kind of wait at the race, but there's no other way to kind of make it all work. Right. So, yeah. You had asked me, you emailed me and we're like, Oh, want to run the 10 K too. And I was like, no, because <laughs> I will not be adjusted to the time difference. And, Oh, cause I just had, I mean, the Olympics were on. And so I was, you know, glued to that and then I'd be all excited and then try to fall asleep. And I, I didn't fall asleep until midnight, both nights, the first two nights we were there. Wow. And so, and I had wow. taken the red eye out there and then not slept all day Wednesday and then couldn't fall asleep until midnight, and then stayed, oh up, my and, <laughs> and stayed up until midnight on Thursday night. So, wow. yeah, wow. that's um, yeah. You had some, you you had put in some enduring miles there for sure, for sure. <laughs> well, it was funny. So we're 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 going across the starting line, and I'm all, you know, I'm 
tall. So I've got my arms up and I've got my little, you know, our little army of mother runners around me. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. And Carissa, who is the announcer, I was like, oh, there's Dimity from another mother runner. Oh, and where's Sarah? Oh, yeah, she's back in bed. And it just totally cracked me up. I was like, that, that is right there in a nutshell. There you go. Yep, uh-huh. yep, it was true. I did run on Saturday morning, but I only I put in three miles on the treadmill at the hotel. So, Perfect. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. yeah, so we got up on race morning, and I think both you and I kind of had the same idea of a half marathon morning mm-hmm. of just kind of, you know, definitely – it, it was a long weekend for us. I mean, it's it's really fun to be at the expo, but like like we've said before, you're on your feet all the time. It's a long day. You're not really eating all that well. Mm-hmm. And um, so you're just kind of like, okay, let's just kind of get this done. Let's, mm-hmm. let's have a good time, but also just, you know, I don't want to be out here for three hours on my feet. Let's try to minimize that. Um, right. So I want to say that because you definitely did the same thing in both races, in both Tinkerbell and Princess, and I clued you in to what I was going to do in Princess and um, it still didn't matter. Like, well, eight, nine, and ten, you were like, "I got to get to that finish line. Got to get to that finish line." And I'm always thinking, "You got to have something in the tank at the end." So, but I, but I slowed down with you. Yeah, but I mean, I really felt like I was having, you know, I, it was it was like reeling in a big fish. You know, <laughs> I have a big fish. I'm sorry, <laughs> but I but I was allowed to be caught. I mean, I feel like I saved myself. I mean, uh, yes, the the last probably half mile was really tough for me, but that was going to be tough no matter what. I mean, that I think was just, that wasn't necessarily like running out of running fuel. It was just running out of, you know, just running on steam at that point, just Mm. for the the conglomerate of the weekend Mm -hmm. is my take on that. Yeah. I think I'm going to train you to finish strong. That's the thing. Cause, um, I mean, you had a lot of gas in your tank, like I said, miles eight, nine, 10, even kind of 11. And then always around mile 12, I'm like thinking, come on, we're almost there. Let's go. <laughs> and I was like, don't leave me. <laughs> yeah. So I love that you quoted when you quoted uh, what I said to you. I'm like, oh, that was good. That was good. And I said, uh, Dimity, I want you to hold your head up and smile and be proud. Yeah, so, and I did that. That's yeah. exactly what I could do. And I and I also put in my race report. I mean, I did follow you. Like usually, I'm like, I need a gel now. I need a goo now. Mm-hmm. And I, you are so, you know, you are like four, four, eleven. Mm-hmm. I mean, four, I'm eight, sorry. and eleven. Yeah, four, eight, and eleven. So you take it a gel at mile four, at mile eight, and then your secret weapon is mile eleven. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm gonna do what Sarah does, so that way I don't forget to do it or wait too long. Mm-hmm. And that really broke up the race for me. Like I said, I mean, I liked that it was four miles, four miles three miles and then 2.1 miles. That Mm -hmm. was a nice, that Mm -hmm. was good chunks for me that day. Yep. It's like kind of like stepping down, you know, so boom, boom, boom. And each one gets shorter. Cause yeah, because, but particularly, but I always find between that eight and 11, which I find is a particularly hard stretch in a half marathon to be like, Oh, I don't have to wait in another four miles. I get a gel at, you know, mile 11. This is awesome. Give me my goo. So it was, um, it was nice. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it was was funny. It's like we hadn't really talked to each other all that much during the weekend because, you know, we were just super busy. And then during the race, it was like, okay, I can't make any conversation because my brain is completely fried. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And we had we had a couple chats in there and we saw some other runners along the way. And I mean, it was good. But, yeah, it was nice to cross the finish line Mm -hmm. in many respects. Mm -hmm. We won't lie. But it was they did a great job. Oh, As managing always. and managing the the um, the throngs. I mean, it was far. It felt far less crowded on the race course this year than last year. And I know they that Run Disney worked hard to make the kind of funneling of racers be more even, more fluid, and to really give 
runners more space. And it was completely noticeable because, I mean, I started at about the same place. Granted, you and I do get to start toward the front of these races. Um, we get treated very nicely. And that, um, that but even last year, I remember it was just jockeying for space from the get-go for about the first two, two and a half miles. And there was none of that this year. Um, oh, and I got to say, the, the thing that really, I mean, t- to me, Run Disney just gets an absolute gold star for that um, interchange that they had at the beginning. So um, they give a lot of um, sh- kudos and shout-outs to um, people in the armed services, whether um, active duty or retired. And so then Carissa, as you mentioned, is one of the MCs, and she went out and was talking to people in that first corral, and they have huge jumbotrons spread all along the corral so that you know people, whether they're in A or back in M or back all the way in P, can see what's going on up there at the start line. And so Carissa comes down, and she's talking to some people, and it just seems kind of random in terms of who she's talking to. And then she talks to this one woman who had said, oh, yeah, my husband and I had run a princess race, and now he's stationed in Afghanistan, and da-da-da, and, and uh, oh, and it's my birthday. And so Chris is like, oh, we have a, a birthday message for you. And I thought it was going to be, you know, Mickey or Minnie, you know, some, like, yeah, canned thing. for her, yeah. Yeah, and so, and then, oh, you know, uh, that they had her husband you know, that they had videotaped him in Afghanistan, you know, giving her greetings, telling her to have a great race and have a happy birthday. And I mean, I don't think there was a dry eye among the 26,000 racers who were there. It was very sweet. I yeah. agree. It was that very, just, very sweet. That just above and beyond effort and just, I don't know, I get, I um, I just feel very patriotic at races. You know, it's the one of the few times you hear the Star Spangled Banner. And I just, I, there's, I mean, I'm getting a little lump in my throat now just thinking about it. I mean, I just cannot, I don't know what is it. I mean, you know, I, I, I love the United States of America, but I don't think of myself as, you know, exceptionally patriotic, but at a race, I am like, you know, bleeding blue. I mean, it's just amazing. And speaking of tear-jerking stories, um, we were really lucky to meet Chrissy. I don't know how to say her last name. It's like Lillard or something like that. Um, The woman that we profiled on our AMR Love Week who lost two of her young daughters in a house fire um, Mm -hmm. and ended up um, training for this half marathon while she was pregnant. And um, so anyway, she, I kind of followed her through Facebook. She's kind of a reserved person. And so I didn't want to be like, oh, how'd it go? How'd it go? But Mm -hmm. she did it. um, And I think they raised some great funds for the playground, Sophie yeah, and Madigan's she, playground. So that was really Yeah, and she had a whole, whole team of um, her friends and her neighbors who had trained for the race and were all wearing that pink T-shirt that they had made up, and they um, had these bracelets that talked about the, you know, that had the playground on it. So that that was very moving. Good job. Really nice job, Chrissy. We're very proud of you and um, hope you can keep it up. Yes. So it seems appropriate that we are now catching up on our sleep uh, with our guest who are we having on today. It's Dr. Kelly Glazer Barron. And in addition to being a mother runner with uh, two and a half year old twins, she is also the assistant professor of neurology and the director of the behavioral sleep medicine program at Northwestern University. So she's going to give us a lot of interesting tidbits and facts and advice about sleep. But before we bring Kelly on, we're going to take a short break, and then when we come back, we'll be talking with Kelly. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For our listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. One audiobook to consider, I admit, is kind of from left field, but bear with me, I'm from the East Coast originally. I went to a liberal arts college, but I recently listened to Jane Eyre, the, the classic novel. 
And it was just fantastic, just very mentally transporting and so romantic. And um, it just really made the miles go by. So for a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash mother. Again, that's audiblepodcast.com slash mother. And now let's bring on our guest. Thanks for joining us, Kelly. We're interested in talking with you. For starters, tell us about, we, we know you're a mother runner. Tell us a little bit about your running background. Okay. Well, I have um, two and a half year old twins, um, but before them, I was an avid half marathoner and ran a few marathons, about 20 miles a week. Um, and since having them, I've become a mother runner, which means waking up early or running after they went to sleep and it's dark outside and mm-hmm. trying to get still those races in a couple times a year. Nice, nice, nice. So yeah, go ahead, Dim. Well, yeah. So, um, and we're so excited to have you on because I mean, sleep, I think is, um, as you well know, and, and I think maybe a lot of our listeners know, it's such an important ingredient in taking care of yourself, especially as a mother runner. So can you tell us why it is so important, especially for active women? Well, we know that sleep is so important for so many aspects of our both physical and mental health. But if you notice, even in my description of how I run, I'm cutting into my sleep to be able to do, to do that. And so I think <laughs> as we balance our roles as being professionals, parents, runners, you know, partners, it, it's really hard to balance it all. And so the things I think about with sleep the most are things about safety, about you know sleepiness while driving, ability to do your job and your cognitive function during the day and your you know, mental processing. Also, we found that sleep is very related to your risk for heart disease and hypertension, and then as well as your mental health, because not sleeping puts you at risk for depression, mania, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. One of um, This is jumping right into that um, depression thing. But one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was I, I interviewed a psychologist in um, Chicago a while ago for another mother runner. And we were talking about postpartum depression. And she kind of actually like likened it sometimes to like PTSD, because it's not like you're losing sleep like one night and then you get to make up for it the next night. It's like repeatedly month after month after month, sometimes for, for mothers of newborns. I mean, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. I mean, the, the sleep deprivation is is quite profound in, in early, you know, in the early years, and certainly with newborn and, and even going back in, in pregnancy, people lose sleep. I mean, mm-hmm. you need more sleep. You're more you're more fatigued and sleepy during pregnancy, but people lose lose sleep in their pregnancy and very much in their in their early life um, of their child. And so it's really quite difficult to get those hours of sleep need to get the the food you need, I think the nutrition and, and as well as the exercise and they, and they probably all go together. Um, I don't know that much about sleep in the um, postpartum period, but I know for sure that sleep is, is one of the symptoms of, of having insomnia is one of the symptoms of uh, depression. So in a lot of the sleep research you've conducted, you found some intriguing relationships between sleep and exercise. So can you walk us through some of your findings? So in this, this is a study we published in August this year, and it was analysis of a study that we've published a couple years ago showing that uh, sleep, the exercise was an effective treatment for insomnia in older women. And this was an analysis of looking at the day-to-day relationship between exercise and sleep, because most people believe that exercise leads to better sleep that night. And, and it, the question for the study really came from a uh, a clinical observation from my patients. They were saying, you know, I'm, I'm exercising so hard and I, I'm just not sleeping and I'm so frustrated by this. And you told me exercise would help. <laughs> and so in this analysis, we're able to look at 
Do people, do these women with insomnia sleep better on nights they exercise? Or is it the opposite? Do they exercise more after sleeping? Mm. Um, and we found the relationship really pointed the direction you wouldn't expect, that people exercised more when they slept better. Mm. Not, that, not that they slept better after exercise. There was no relationship there. So that's intriguing that, that the, you know, you can exercise better if you get a, you know, a good night's sleep or something like that. So is that, I mean, are you thinking then that that, you know, shows the relationship of how important it is to get good sleep if you're training for a half marathon or a marathon, something that, that you're more able to. Thanks to StoryWorth for supporting our podcast. StoryWorth is a subscription service started by a fellow who wanted families to be able to share their memories and anecdotes with each other. Here's how it works. Purchase a StoryWorth subscription for someone you love. And each week, StoryWorth sends that loved one an email with a question about his or her life. The person either replies with his or her story via email or records it by phone by calling a StoryWorth number. After a year, the stories are bound in a lovely hardcover keepsake book. My husband Jack and I gifted StoryWorth to his dad, and we're especially looking forward to hearing his tales about going to medical school in Dublin, Ireland, which is where Jack was born and spent the first four years of his life. Then we'll share the book with Jack's siblings. For $20 off, visit storyworth.com slash AMR when you subscribe. That's storyworth.com slash AMR. Put in those miles then if you've gotten good sleep? I think so. We know that actually sleep loss doesn't affect your aerobic capacity, and the total sleep deprivation has a very minimal effect on you know how somebody can, can do their maximum effort of oxygen uptake on like a exercise treadmill test. But what sleep deprivation does, it affects our mood and our motivation. It also affects people's perception of how hard exercise is. Mm. So certainly you would expect that if you slept better, you would be able to have more motivation to get out there. You would also, you know, enjoy your workout more and, mm. and also, you know, feel like you can give it more effort and not feel like you're dragging yourself through it. Mm, that's intriguing. So then, so then that sort of leads into one question that I had, which is that um, we oftentimes tell people, you know, as uh, having done marathons yourself, you know, that oftentimes before a big race, you're all nervous and you have trouble sleeping that night before. I remember that before my first marathon, I just, I seemed like I got about five minutes of shut eye. And <laughs> so um, for a story I did for Runner's World, I interviewed a couple experts and they were saying it's actually the um, sleep you get two nights before a race that are important or, you know, two nights before a big event. And so are we, we share that information with mother runners. Are we telling the truth or is that not the case? I really think that it's important not to put too much pressure on that one night before mm -hmm. the race, mm -hmm. because like I said, your aerobic capacity is the same. And what I like to tell people is that that one night before you're likely to have sleep loss, it's not going to affect your capacity to do the, to the marathon. Mm -hmm. And then you'll also have the huge amount of adrenaline and excitement that'll push you through it. So I don't think you have to worry if your motivation is, you know, 10% lower because from just not sleeping, because it's going to be 50% higher or hundred percent higher <laughs> from the crowds on the marathon course. My concern is more of this day-to-day -day drudgery of going out and getting your miles in or, you know, meeting your training group. That's, that's what's more likely to suffer than your, your race performance that day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sure. Sure. Well, so, so can you, I mean, if you have a, a a patient come to you who is just having a tough time sleeping and she's a new mother and, and hopefully a mother runner. I mean, what, what kind of things do you suggest to her to, um, to kind of make her sleep better? And, uh, I mean, efficiency and sleep don't go together, but you know, when I get in bed, I want to be able to fall asleep quickly. I don't want to wake up a lot. And then I want to be able to wake up in the morning. So it is kind of efficient, right? 
Yeah, it, it absolutely is efficient. And I think there there was a question that I got for an article once that was, you know, what do you cheat more, the exercise or the sleep when when you have when push comes to shove and you don't have time for both? And you know, unfortunately there's no good answer to that question. You know, to to a mother of, of young children, you know, I think that having their children sleep as consistent as possible is important. You know, having their own schedule in order. And then you can't consistently cheat sleep. That if you're waking up at 4.30 in the morning and that you're trying to work until 11 o'clock at night, that's not going to get you ahead either. And so it's a matter of balancing those two. And and if I apply it to my, my own personal life, I can think about that I had about a year after my twin's birth that... I was maybe running one or two days a week and because that was the best I could do and still maintain everything else. And now that they're a little bit older, I can, and they're sleeping better. I've been able to increase it to four or five days a week, but it just wasn't, the expectation had to change. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you can't expect, you can't expect yourself perhaps to, to, for everything to be the same because it's your life changes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's it. That's an understatement, right? You know, <laughs> that's, that's, unfortunately, that's part of my job, you know, <laughs> is to say you can't do it all. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. So, and then, um, so, but you even admitted uh, Kelly that you, you know, run before your girls or your, your twins get up and then, or after they go to bed, something like that. I mean, is there, should we be looking for different times in the day that, I mean, should we not be trying to cheat the sleep to get in that workout? Well, I try not to sleep my cheat my sleep too much. I'm lucky enough to be kind of a morning person. So cheating my sleep is getting up at 5.45 or 6 a.m. And so it's really only about a half hour early. Mm-hmm. And then um, I, I think the other thing is to use the support of other people in your life. And so on weekends when my, my kids are napping, I go for a run and my husband stays home and then we switch. And then he'll go out for his run or mm-hmm. I'll wake up early. And if the kids happen to get up, then he'll take care of them. And I, I think balancing now certainly – we do miss running with each other, mm-hmm. and we have a jogging we have a jogging stroller, but they're getting very heavy depression that yeah. <laughs> almost three years yeah. old. So, I, I think you know something has to give, but there there are other ways than just cheating your sleep, and that that includes using some childcare, some other things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, so what about in the middle of the night? You wake up and your head is spinning with you know deadlines, bills, worrying about your kids. Are you raising, you know, good moral kids? You know, I mean, all the stuff that comes <laughs> in the middle of the night totally randomly. And you're like, where did that come from? And can you please leave? Cause I want to go back to sleep. I mean, do you have any <laughs> techniques that you, uh, that you use yourself or that you recommend, you know, to kind of quiet your mind when, when that, that comes in the middle of the night? Yes. This, I mean, this is what, this is what I do in, in my practice is, is deal with insomnia and that, so when you're up in the night, laying in bed and thinking about your problems is not the right thing to do because that's not going to help you get back to sleep. And so your, your options are to lay there and drive yourself crazy to get up and do something (laughs) boring or to do some relaxation or some sort of meditation that can help to take your mind to another place because just laying there is going to just create more frustration and and make it less likely for you to fall asleep. Mm -hmm. Mm And then the bottom line is you have to get up and start your day at your regular time and don't compensate by sleeping in because that can really be a domino effect on your sleep the next night and things can really unravel. Yeah, that that sort of leads into a question that I got via Twitter. Uh, Leah asked, is it a good idea to take a nap after a long run or should uh, we just wait until bed to sleep? So kind of that whole making up, you know, lost sleep or making, you know, trying to catch up on some sleep because you're just tired. That's 
a good question. I, and I think that also what goes along with long runs is getting up early in the morning to meet a training group. Mm-hmm. I know I've sure. certainly had that experience and they, they tend to start really early, especially training for the Chicago marathon. It is hot in the summer. And so right. if you're not out there by six in the morning, you're in trouble. Uh-huh. So, um, so take naps are a completely respectable and effective way of dealing with sleep deprivation. If you can't get it at night, then it's a, it's a great idea to take an hour nap or so to help compensate, especially after hard physical workout. You know, there, there's even a concept called a hockey nap, which is the hockey team, teams use. They play night games, but to, to perform the best at night, they take a nap in the mid-afternoon. So I, I don't think it's a bad thing unless you have insomnia. In that case, if you're having trouble sleeping at night, catching up during the day is borrowing from Peter to pay Paul. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Often... And in college, we called those hockey naps disco naps, right? <laughs> so we took them at about I... seven thirty at night, and before we went out, you know, at eleven at night. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez! But I was never at the disco. I was never at the disco. <laughs> So, so I often joke that I could be a professional sleeper, which may make some listeners hate me, but um, like I nap easily. I can sleep almost anywhere, including on planes. I'm usually not bothered by insomnia. Like are some people truly quote better sleepers than others? For, for sure. There are, there's, there's genetic components and insomnia runs in families. And uh, certainly some people are just, they have a greater sleep drive. Some people mm. are able to shut those thoughts off easier. Uh, it's, I, I definitely am, am envious of those folks. They don't come to my practice. <laughs> <laughs> I love your, sure. so what's the phrase sleep drive? That's an intriguing phrase. What does that really mean? It's like a hunger for sleep. And so that basically sleep is your hunger for sleep builds up across the day. And then it takes that, that build up across the whole day in order to have a nice consolidated block of sleep at night. That's why if you take a nap, before going to bed, if you take a mid-afternoon nap, let's say after work or fall asleep on the couch at 9 or 10 p.m., mm-hmm. you often have trouble sleeping or have trouble sleeping through the night, and it's because you don't have that hunger build up. But, of course, exercise increases that sleep hunger. Mm-hmm. So that might be why you may perhaps need a nap after a long run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, we were um, at the beginning part of our podcast, we were talking about the race we just did this past weekend, which is the Disney Princess that starts at 5.35 a.m. and you have to get up. I got up at 2.45 that morning to get to the race. And I oh, went, man. yeah, so that it was, so sleep and coming, I was coming, it's in Florida. I was coming from the West Coast. So it was, it was really brutal on this, on the sleep. And, uh, but I went back to the room and took a hour. Now I'll call it a hockey nap. I took an hour long hockey nap and I woke up and I felt a ton, ton better and then was able to still sleep on the plane home. So, um, yeah, that's say that's I'm Sarah. I always, you know, whenever I meet you in a city, and and you're like, oh, I had the best nap, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I just worked for three hours because I don't sleep. I'm I'm not a professional sleeper. I sleep well at night, but I have a hard time, and I can nap occasionally, but on a plane, you know, I only I drool for a little bit, and then I'm like, 15 minutes later, I'm like, okay, that's it, that's all I got. So, um, so I want to talk to you about uh, this is a two part question about drugs. Um, so the first one, um, Kelly is, uh, is caffeine. Can you talk a little bit about that? And kind of, especially if you do have trouble sleeping, like what's the best way to win and, and how to drink it bef- so that it doesn't affect your sleep? So ca- caffeine isn't all bad. It certainly has a effect on attention and you know alertness. And so, Taking taking caffeine in the morning through either coffee. I know some of the energy gels have a little shot of caffeine that's thought to, thought to perhaps boost performance. Um, I 
recommend that when people have trouble sleeping that they they look at their caffeine intake and particularly the mid-afternoon to evening caffeine. There are some surprising uh, amounts of caffeine in, in things like some of the, like Starbucks coffee, for example, has quite a lot of caffeine and, and it's in your system. The half-life of caffeine is is five hours. And so mm. if you have 400 milligrams of caffeine, then five, you know, at 2 p.m., you know, by 8 p.m., you still have, you know, a couple Cokes, a couple Diet Cokes in your system. And you wouldn't think about drinking a couple Diet Cokes at 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Sure, sure. And, um, and that's actually, actually, now I'm making it into a three-part question because now you're, you got me to, to 8 p.m. and I'm thinking about a glass of wine. How does alcohol um, help or mm-hmm. hinder sleep? Well, the glass of wine at 8 p.m. is unlikely to affect your sleep very much unless you're going to bed at like 9 p.m. or 10 p.m. You know? Yes, yes, so she, is. yes she is. Yes, she is. Okay, you are. <laughs> but usually my glass of wine is more like 5.30. I mean, to be, all, to be true, yeah. I usually have one while I'm with dinner, so, and my dinner's early. So, one glass of wine with dinner is unlikely to really affect your sleep too much unless you're very sensitive to the effects of it. Overall, you know, alcohol within two hours of bedtime could affect your sleep. And really, what I have people do oftentimes is, is if they're concerned about how alcohol, how alcohol is affecting their sleep, is to you know, do a log of your alcohol intake in sleep and, and try to see whether there's a correlation. And I, for example, had one patient who found that one drink did not affect her sleep and two drinks did. And so if she wants to have the two drinks, she kind of knows the consequence. And if she has one, then, then she's fine. Now, if somebody's having you know, more than moderate, like having heavy drinking, then that's likely, in chronic drinking, that's likely to have a more sustained effect on sleep. Sure, sure. Okay, and so then this is my third part. Um, sleep aids, what's your take on them? And, you know, do they have a place or should you, should you go natural? I mean, that's, that's like, there's not one question. There's not one answer of that question mm-hmm. for everyone. It's certainly something to discuss with your doctor. My, my treatment um, that I do, I'm a clinical psychologist. So I, I do cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. And so that's a non-pharmacologic treatment and it, it's effective for a lot of people. And, and one of the most satisfying parts of my job, I think is helping people sleep naturally without medications. Cause I think for most people, they would, they would prefer to do that if they could. But the conversation I have with patients is really about the cost and benefit of being on a sleep medication. And probably the most frustrating thing is I, I get people who come to my clinic who are taking several different sleep aids and still not sleeping well, and then they have all the side effect and none of the benefit mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm. And so using some of these behavioral treatments can really help them. Um, I think it's also important for women to know that the FDA um, came up, came out recently about changing the dosing of a really common sleep medication, Zolpidem or Ambien, saying that women should be on 5 milligrams instead of the 10 milligram pill because women process it slower, slower and have more next day effects. And that's really... Uh, a really big deal for women because it's the first drug the FDA has said should be a different dose for women. Oh, that's intriguing. Huh. I, um, I, I'm the man I'm married to now is my second husband. My first husband had some Ambien way back when, and, and I remember I took one on a cross country flight. It was before we had kids and so before I had kids. And so, um, I took one and I just, I mean, if that plane had gone down over Chicago, I would not have known it. I was just out. And because it was a prescription for my first husband was, you know, 220 and six foot four. And uh, I just remember I got to landed in JFK and I could like barely get my bags and, you know, fell asleep in the car ride home. And it was, it was really overpowering to me. So I'm not surprised to, I could have told the FDA that. <laughs> you know, let's not be uh, recommending people taking others' prescriptions on this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, pro- probably that, that may be something shorter acting, or you know, it's 
it's one of those things that I think it is, it is a discussion of the cost and benefit of what, you know, what the therapy should be. Mm-hmm. And then what is the, is, is there a best time of day to exercise that can help with your sleep or, or, I mean, I guess since you found that maybe exercise doesn't help, but is there, can it be disruptive to, you know, go running at eight o'clock at night or go running at four in the afternoon instead of 6 a.m.? Well, there, there actually is a huge body of literature showing that exercise during the day improves that sleep that night in, mm-hmm. in healthy people. And that's why I think the study that came out was so surprising that it didn't, mm-hmm. um, and and perhaps in our sample it, it is it's because they they had insomnia it was it was very specific they were insomnia they were older women so mm-hmm. it, the results don't necessarily apply to everyone uh, there there is a, a lot of data showing that exercise does have effects on the how deep sleep is on the quality of sleep both in the short term and in the long term mm-hmm. so the time of day question has been asked a ton and so much that they've done a study called a, a meta analysis where they. They lump together all the studies that are out there. Mm-hmm. And this, this one is, is quite a few years old, and so there's been other studies that have come out since then. But in this study, they, they lumped together all the studies, and they looked to see what's the best time of day. And they found it was four to eight hours before bedtime. Mm-hmm. So that is the best time. What I tell my patients, the best time is when you can do it. Because, you know, I'd rather see them exercise. You know, so if that exor- the, the only thing is, though, exercise right before Bedtime can disrupt sleep. I know personally, if I, I was exercising at night sometimes after my kids went to sleep because they were waking up at five in the morning, so I had no cha- no choice to exercise before they got up, and it always kept me up. Exercising late always makes me more alert, and, and not only that, I'm a morning person. I hate exercising at night. Mm-hmm. It really is like pulling teeth to get on the treadmill at like nine o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. Some people love it, so. I really think the best time to exercise is when you're going to regularly do it. That's awesome. It reminds me, I, uh, you know, I belong to a 24 hour fitness here, which is what it sounds like. My, that's my gym, you know, so they're open 24 uh-huh. hours. And I'm always like, who is on a treadmill at 1am? Like I just, I almost want to do like a photo essay about it and like just stake it out for the night just to see like the people that come in at, you know, two, three, four in the morning. I just, it's amazing to me. I mean, more power to them, but, but not for me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering if those people are like on a swing shift or something like that. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there was um, another piece of advice that we have um, tossed around here, and we actually got it from a triathlon coach who was a guest on our program, that um, she told us that uh, you should aim for an extra minute of sleep per night for every mile you're running. Let's say, for example, if you're training for a half marathon or a marathon, so that if you run 30 miles per week, you need to get an additional 30 hours of shut-eye per night. 30 minutes. 30, 30 minutes, minutes, sorry. 30, 30 <laughs> hours. That'd be great. Um, so, so Kelly, do you... Do you uh, uh, agree with that or no? I think that that's a good recommendation. Probably most of us are not getting enough sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, we recommend between seven and eight hours. And what I tell my patients is, you know, a, a, a healthy sleeper, spend, you should have a minimum of, of spending eight hours in bed. So you have the opportunity for getting about seven hours or so if you count the time it takes you to get to sleep and getting up in the morning. Um, and, and sleep exercise does increase your sleep needs. So adding in an extra 30 minutes of, of time in bed, trying to sleep up would be a good idea, mm-hmm. whether it's one minute to one minute. I'm not sure if I've seen a study to suggest that, but I think it's a nice rule of thumb. It's not a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's okay. okay. What about, um, so, so put yourself in your own shoes about a year ago or maybe even tonight or whatever, but I know a lot of mother runners are wondering, okay, they've gotten up with their kid who needed them for some reason in the middle of the night. You know, how do you get back to sleep quickly? I mean, 
I know that there's, there's, there's no easy answer then for that, but I mean, do you have any tips that have worked for you? Well, this is a, a fairly common occurrence in our household. Um, we've, we've had a pro- we've had a problem with um, there's been an alligator in the crib that I've had to go in and, and check to see where what it's doing or you know there's been funny noises they've heard. So we we definitely have some creative imaginations that are waking us up at night or somebody needs their slippers found that they threw them on the floor. So we have this all the time, and it certainly that's a terrible feeling to get up and take care of the kids and then get back into bed and to start thinking about all the things that. I have to do the next day and, and, and that sort of thing. So probably the, the best thing that you can do is to get up and, and take care of what, what you need to do as quickly as you can. And then to do, do things that you can to stay sleepy, to keep the house, to keep the house dim and to, to get into bed rather quickly. And then to not, not engage in those kind of thoughts that would make you feel more awake. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is to not stress about falling back asleep. Because you're going to either fall asleep or you're not. And if you don't fall asleep that night, you're going to get up that day. You're going to be a little tired. And then the next night you'll be really tired and you're likely to sleep better. Mm-hmm. All a- right. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. It is I- what it is, right? Yeah. Um, is. I um, found that when I was, um, I guess I was pregnant with the twins and I was having trouble sleeping. And so I, my mind definitely needs something to chew on, but I, I you know, didn't want to start fretting about work deadlines or something. So I always have kind of like a, um, a someone else's problem because it wouldn't be as trying for me. And so I have a friend whose uh, married last name is Luba Mursky, and she was also having twins. And so I would lay there and debate what, you know, I knew she was having two boys. And I'd be like, okay, if, I, if my last name was, you know, as long and robust as Luba Mursky, what would I name my twin boys? And so, <laughs> so it was something for my mind to, you know, rotate and, and dwell on a little bit, but it just wasn't troubling. It's like, how are we going to pay our visa bill? So <laughs> sure, sure. Well, the other thing that I do, I don't, I don't think about um, names, but I have found when I remember to, to just put a notebook by my bed. And because I'm often, I'm not often not worrying about bigger things like visa bills, but oh my gosh, I got to remember to get the field trip slip back. I've got to remember to send that email and I've got to remember that, you know, whatever, she needs cupcakes for school or something like that. So it's not like, you know, end of the world problems. It's just like, don't forget these. So then I'm like, cupcakes, mm-hmm. this, that, you know, trying, trying to make <laughs> like a mnemonic device and things like that. So if I just keep like a piece of paper there, so I just write it down, it's it's there, it's recorded, let it go, you know? That's a, that's a great approach. Also, if you can even try to make that list before you get into bed yeah, and feel like you're kind of closed for the day and like look at your schedule and then be, you know, be able to put it aside, then have 30 minutes to relax and do something mindless and then go to sleep. That would be the best thing. And what I've been doing lately is um, I do visualization and um, I'll actually visualize my favorite running route and I'll, uh, the the one I typically do. And and it, it just puts you into like a relaxing state. And then you can also have something to focus on and I can like imagine the whole path. Yep. Yeah, I do that. Or, or if I have, you know, like a 10-miler coming out the next day, I'll be like, oh, maybe I should go north and then west or maybe go down around the river and just kind of, you know, stroll through it in my mind. So um, mm-hmm. yeah. I love it. I love it. Very nice. Well, gosh, you've been so helpful. Um, I, I love it. I, I think I'm I'm going to sleep even better. And Sarah, you don't need to sleep any better. <laughs> yeah, I'm ta- I'm no taking <laughs> I'm taking a red eye tonight to Memphis. So I will put some of these uh, practices into uh, into action. So thank you very much for joining us, Kelly. Thank you.
taking the red out of Memphis, but my flight, my, my flight leaves at 5.45 a.m., which means, and I have to give my, I have to leave my house at 3.45 in order to, you know, get through security and all that, although maybe I can leave at, you know, 3.50, given that <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping that it's not too, too populated. So I think I'm going to be closed for business. What's eight minus 3.45? That puts me back at what, like seven? I think, yeah. Seven, I'm closed for business. <laughs> the doctor is out. <laughs> <laughs> the Dimity store is no longer open tonight. I think I need to hang one of those signs on me at about 4 p.m. most days <laughs> and then have my wine and then get in bed. All right. I like it. I like it. Right. Right. Oh, my goodness. But we're always open for business, right, Sarah? We are. We are on Facebook at Run Like a Mother, the book. Our website is anothermotherrunner.com. On Twitter and Instagram, we are The Mother Runner. Our books, Run Like a Mother and Train Like a Mother, are both available on Amazon and also on our online store on our site. And um, whether you get a good night's sleep or not, many happy miles to you. And sweet dreams. Sweet dreams.